right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, as we've already said. Thank you that you are here. Thank you for mighty impartation, Romans 1.11 this morning. Thank you that we hear your word, Colossians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, that your word bears fruit from the moment it enters your heart, enters my heart, enters the heart of these people today, God. Just thank you for that, and we receive your word with gladness. Uh, we esteem your word higher than necessary food, as Job wrote, as we heard that Job said. And we just thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right, let's jump in today. Today is day one, the the first day of the best of your life. And we have a little video, but we'll skip that just for time's sake. But last week, we, we let you see a video of a song. And I would encourage you to Google Matthew West, day one. It's a really cool song. And it, it uh, kind of walks through this whole sermon topic. And this is how we were turned on to this uh, several weeks ago. We started talking to you about David and Bathsheba. Anybody remember David and Bathsheba? Just to set you up, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12. I'm going to try my best to finish this today, but if we don't, we'll pick back up next week. I, I don't make any promises when it comes to finishing messages on time. 2 Samuel chapter 12, we'll read this in just a second, but I want to give you a little background for those of you that were not here last week. Real short summaries, basically this. David should have been at war. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be where you need to be when you need to be there. <laughs> David should have been at war, but he was at home. He had drifted in his walk with God, and he, had, uh, he was putting off his kingly responsibilities, and that's a whole other message for a whole other day. And he, looked, he was at nighttime, and he looked over, and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And I personally don't think this was the first time because you don't commit adultery overnight. There has to be a seed planted. So I think this was maybe a habit of, of David's. And sometimes, you know, habits can get us in trouble. I mean, you know, there are godly habits that can help us, like coming to Emmanuel Assembly. What a great habit that is. And I mean, you know, but there are some habits that can really hurt us too. So David looks over the wall, sees Bathsheba bathing, and he says, go get this woman. And they come, they have relations. And a son is born unto them. And we told you that the prophet Nathan came and uh, said, David, you know, God is not pleased with this. And there's this big dialogue here in 2 Samuel 12. Long, long story short, the baby ends up dying. Now, God didn't kill the baby. We know that David sent open the door and took him outside of the protection of God. And so the baby dies. And we pick up here in this story where David pled with the Lord and fasted and prayed and did everything he knew to do. But it was just, it was just something that was just not going to be fixed in this particular situation. And, and we know God always deals with leadership a little harder than he does the rest of uh, folks that are not leadership. That's why in the book of James, it says not many of you should desire to be teachers. And so it's not saying, uh, you know, don't be a teacher, but God always, if you're in a position, of leadership, God always holds you uh, to a little higher standard, and you're and not that He doesn't hold everybody to a higher standard, but but that's just a principle we see in the Bible. So let's jump into Second Samuel chapter twelve. It says this: Then David got up from the ground. Somebody say he got up. And it says he put on lotion. Somebody, well, excuse me, I got ahead of myself. He washed himself. Somebody say he washed himself. And he put on lotion. Somebody say put on lotion. How many of you think that's a little girly for a king? That This is the same dude that fought Goliath. And he's like, oh, i got to keep my little precious hands and put on lotion and all that. No offense if you guys like lotion. Well, a little offense if you guys like lotion. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing. But David washed himself. He put on lotions and he changed his clothes. Can you say changed his clothes? And he went to the tabernacle. Can you say went to the tabernacle? And he worshiped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the place that he was, and he was served food, and he ate. Now, um, did I say that wrong? Palace. What did I say? Place. Okay. It's very close, very close. You people are always interrupting me. The palace is a place, last time I checked. 
went to the palace, for those of you grammar kings in the house, those of you that can read, I mean, come on. And he would serve food and he ate. You try this sometimes. It's not as easy as I make it look. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we begin to talk about tragedy. And this, is, this, was a, this was a deal and this was a, a sensitive topic. But David went through a terrible tragedy here. And we understand God is not the cause of our tragedies. We understand God is trying to help us and God is trying to fix us. And David was out of fellowship with God for a whole year. And it was just a big, big mess. And let's talk about tragedy. We, we looked at four truths about tragedy. Now, I don't have time to review, but I want you to just see this. And I want you to get the CD from last week or check it out online even better. Look at this. Four truths concerning tragedy. Number one, it takes a piece of our heart. Number two, tragedy ties us up emotionally. It ties up our emotions. Our emotions are designed to worship the Lord. And tragedy, as we talked about last week, ties up our emotions. It takes them hostage. For days, all David could do was weep and fast and pray. David wasn't any good to his family, wasn't any good to anybody around him because he was so tied up in this situation with a little baby. Tragedy ties up our emotions. Number three, if you do not deal with tragedy quickly, it will turn into bitterness and it will turn into resentment against people you love. You'll be bitter at God who loves you and you'll be bitter at people that love you. And then tragedy is designed to tear down your relationship with God. And we have to really guard against those things. And we spent a lot of time kind of uncovering that. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. And then we talked about last week was the, the resurrection. And David said, he said this in the scripture. He said, I can't bring the child back, but he said, I can go to the child. And he was talking about the resurrection of Christ, which is the foundation of it's the foundation for the Christian faith, and it's the guarantee that we have of the inheritance that's coming for us and the inheritance we have in Christ Jesus. That was some good teaching, man. I listened to that, and I was like, this stuff is really good. I'm not talking about the delivery. I'm talking about the content it was really solid, and if you were not here, I would encourage you, get on the, get on the website, listen to that, because it really will help you. All right, let's jump in today to six lessons on letting go. And looking ahead, David had to let go of this tragedy and he had to look forward. So I want to talk to you about six lessons on letting go and looking forward. Look at your neighbor and say, let it go. Look at your neighbor and say it in the Disney, Disney movie, let it go. Come on. All right. That's old. I know. All right. Okay. You people are good. All right. I want to give you six lessons on letting go and looking forward. I felt like the Lord really gave me some revelation on this, Sherelle, specifically concerning these passages. There are six things that David did at the, on the other end of this tragedy, and they are so applicable to our life today. If we will hear and do these principles, we can actually let go of the past we can let go of tragedy, and we can begin to look forward. How I many of you can't you can't move forward if you can't look forward? If you're always looking back, you're not gonna you're not gonna make a lot of progress. How I many know you can't drive out of your rearview mirror very long? That's why the windshield is so much bigger than that little rearview mirror. The windshield is so much bigger than the back window because it's your your car is designed to go primarily forward. And so you and I, we are designed. How I many know you don't have eyes in the back of your back or on your bottom or whatever. It'd be kind of weird. <laughs> Eyes on your bottom would be really weird. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't want to see what happens down there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's why your eyes are up here. Your eyes are meant to look forward. All the holy people didn't like that. I didn't say anything. You all thought that in your own mind. I didn't say anything. But listen, our eyes are, are forward facing because that's the way God designed us to do. But tragedy wants to, I'm in trouble now. Tragedy wants to hold you back from what God has for you. But look at your neighbor and say, I'm moving forward. Come on, tell him I'm moving forward. Let's look at this here. Let's look at some of these principles here for just a minute. Number one, David got up from the ground. 
Number one, the first thing the Bible says is David got up from the ground. Every one of these is symbolic, and they have type and shadow all throughout the Bible. I don't have time to get into to all this today as far as what each of these means, but if you want to grow in the Lord, take these principles and study them out for yourself, especially one when we get on down in just a few points here. There's some truth in this that is just so deep and so amazing. Number one, David got up from the ground. What this tells me, Aaron, is that this, this represents David accepting what he could not change. This tells me that David made the mental decision to move forward. And so take a look at this PowerPoint for life. You can't change what you can't change. Man, that's deep. How many of y'all are overwhelmed by the deepness of that statement? You can't change what you can't change. And so David began to get up from the ground. He, he took the first step. Now look at this here uh, concerning change. I want to give you three channels to dealing with change. Three channels to dealing with negative change in your life. How many of you have ever had negative change in your life? Look at this. Number one, you got to accept it. Somebody say accept it. And we won't look at all these scriptures just for time's sake. But uh, the same scripture that Pastor Michael read this morning, Matthew 6, Jesus says basically, how many of you can add an hour to your life by worrying? How many of you can add an hour? Or how many of you can add a foot to your height by worrying about uh, your day and worrying about your family? And worrying? it's not being not saying don't be concerned, but there's a difference between worry and anxiety and then care and legitimate concern. And he says, you know, look at the look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather, yet your heavenly father feeds them. How much more? How much more precious are you? How much more will Jesus take care of you? So number one, you've got to accept it. Now, let me let me say this. I'm not talking about just accepting. Accepting everything the devil brings your way. I'm not at all talking about that. I'm talking about when you've been through a tragedy, there's something in your life happened very negative. There's nothing you can do to undo it. Let's say your spouse just leaves you, or you have a close family member that just goes on to be with the Lord unexpected, or or you just lose a job. There, there's nothing that you can do at that point. There are certain things that happen that you can't undo, that you can't fix. So you've got to accept it is what it is. I may not like it. It may not be good, but it is what it, there's something else that's deep. It is what it is. Now, what I'm not telling you is to lay down and just accept everything the devil brings your way. There is a whole lot that we can actually do to affect what comes down our way according to the Bible and how we study and pray and what we speak. I mean, you know, according to the Bible, you actually get what you say. I'm not talking about name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and all that stuff. But according to the Bible, the Word of God is, is the sword of the Spirit. If you look at Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The only offensive weapon listed in the armor of God is the sword of the Spirit. Everything else is for your defense. But the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is what we can actually use to go on the offense and be proactive. And, of course, praying in the Spirit, I believe, is also a part of that armor, which is an offensive, but as far as just a weapon that is listed, we can see the offensive sword of the Spirit. And so you've, you've got to accept it. When change comes, you just have to accept it. Number two, ask for God's grace concerning the situation. It's okay to ask God and say, I'm overwhelmed. I need your grace. Because the Bible promises in 2 Corinthians 9, God is able to make all grace abound to you. And if you are struggling in an area, get up in the morning and say, Father, I thank you that today you make all grace abound to me. Just begin to speak that scripture. Well, I don't believe that will happen for me. Then it never will. But I just believe it's going to happen for me. God makes all grace 
abound to me. And of course, this is actually, if you want to really get deep, this is actually in giving and receiving. So should we take up another offering? Do we want to practice this this morning? But God will make all grace abound to you. So you accept it. You ask for God's grace concerning the situation. Number three, always, somebody say always. Always stay focused on the positive. David, in this tragedy, he could have dwelt on the child being gone. But what he said is, I can't bring the child back. The child can't come back to me. But the positive thing is I can go to the child. And so he got up off the ground and he began to move forward. Look at some of these uh, summary points here. There's just some some things that I just want to hit and say concerning uh, getting up off the ground. David took the first step to moving forward. It started with a mental decision. He's on the ground weeping and crying. He said, you know what? He thought, I've got to get up. I've got to get up and, and move on here. He thought about getting up before he ever got up. If you do not think about getting off the ground, you will never get off the ground. It started in his mind. This whole thing about letting go and looking forward actually starts right here in your mind, as we're going to talk about in a few more points. We have to decline the invitation to our own pity party. Self-pity and guilt and regret will keep you stuck in the past. Listen, it is what it is. Yes, David, David could have lived his whole life saying, man, I caused that mess. He could have lived his whole life saying, I caused that pain. I caused that mess. But yet he had to let it go. He had to look ahead. And so many times in our life when we have trouble, it's not necessarily something we caused. It's because we're moving in the right direction. Let me know if you never have a head-on collision with the devil, you're walking with him. Let me know if you're going in opposite directions, you're going to butt heads every now and then. And so David had to really imagine the guilt that David had and the regret that David had. But that day was day one of the best of his life. He had to have a day one. He said, I can't change it. I have to accept it. I'm going to ask for God's grace in this situation. He repented and he got up off the ground. Overcomers always say, why not me? But uh, the the pity party people, the self-pity says, why me? Why me? Why me? But overcomers say, why not me? Why not me? And we can be an overcomer through Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen out there? So David got up off the ground. Now look at number two. I want you to see the second thing that David did. David washed himself. Somebody say, he washed himself. This represents to me when I look at water in the Bible. Talks about the Word of God, talks about the Holy Spirit. These are symbols of the water. And so David began to renew his mind by putting the Word of God in. Look with me at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. This is such a powerful principle. David got up off the ground and David began to wash himself. In our life in the New Testament, that tells me that we must get into God's Word and we must allow the Holy Spirit to bring His power and His cleansing and His energy and His attitude into our life. It says here in this, in the Amplified Version, do not be conformed to this world any longer. The world is superficial, has superficial values and customs. But be transformed. Notice this here. God, let me say something that I just sensed off, off, the, off this page here that I sense is from the Lord. Notice this here. Let me read this and I want to share this. Be transformed and changed. It says, by the entire renewal of your mind. It says, be transformed. Now, here on my version, Jared, I think you've got a little different version. My version actually says, be transformed and progressively changed. Be transformed and progressively changed. Now, notice this here. Things of the Lord often are a process. 
How many know you get born again day one? You're not Billy Graham day two. We think, we think, listen, please hear my heart, please, please. We think if we don't arrive in two weeks that we've missed it or God's not pleased with us, we are transformed and progressively transformed. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Some of you are a whole construction site, amen? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell them they're a work in progress. God doesn't expect us to have it all together overnight. We, we grow in the things of God and we grow in the things of the Lord. And, and you know, concerning, uh, concerning healing, one of the Greek words for healing is, the, is where we get our English word therapy. It's therapeo. We get our English word therapy from it. And so a lot of times we think of healing as just boom instant. And man, praise God for that. But there's also a healing as we're going to look in James chapter 5 on one of our Wednesday night sessions. Well, sometimes healing is actually a process and sometimes it's a progress. And, and you're like, man, this word, I, I've been praying over my family and this, this ain't working for me. Well, two years ago, how many times did you get the flu? I got the flu five times. Okay, buy some Germex, number one. And then number two, last year, how many times did you get the flu? Well, I only got the flu three times. You're making progress. Believe God for one time next year. Come on, you see what I'm saying? Don't give up on the work that God is doing in your life. And so this says we can be transformed. We can progressively be changed as we mature spiritually by the renewing of our mind. This is focusing on godly values and focusing on what is good and acceptable and God's perfect will for us. And so there are things here that we can do to renew our mind. Remember where the getting up off the ground started? It started in his mind. If we're going to let go and look forward past tragedy, we have to watch ourselves. You see, your inward portrait, listen to this carefully, your inward portrait will dictate your outward image. Your inward portrait will dictate your outward image. How could David have led his people if he had the inward portrait of guilt and regret and what he had done and what he had caused? Or just the pain if David never let go of the pain? and how What kind of a leader could he have been? How could he have led his family? Of course, we know at the end of the story, God gave him and Bathsheba another son. They got it right. How many know God beats you wherever you land? God is for you. And so God redeemed the situation and they had a son named Solomon. Anybody ever heard of Solomon? One of the greatest kings that we read about in all the scriptures. So he washed himself. He began to, in, in our life now, we begin to put the word of God in. The Bible talks about that we are washed by the water of the word in Ephesians 5. We're washed by the water of the word. John 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. There's a washing and a cleansing that happens when we apply the word of God to our situation. We allow the Holy Spirit to change what we see on the inside so that we can begin to live the way that God wants us to live on the outside. The, the change, how many of you think you want to change, you want some kind of change on the outside? I'm not talking about a nose ring or a, you know, a tattoo or anything like that. You know what I'm saying. But you, there's a situation on the outside that you want to see changed. It starts by changing what's on the inside. You'll never see change outside until you begin to see change on the inside. And David realized this. He began to wash himself. Now, number, number three. The girly man David put on lotions. <laughs> he put on lotions. Listen, look what the Lord showed me here. You're going to love this, Pastor Michael. I'd never seen this before, never heard this talk, and I felt like the Lord revelated this for me. If you wash yourself, that's for you. Come on, right? How many of you wash your hands for you? Before you eat, you're like, man, I'm going to wash my hands. Or how many of you take a shower for you because you don't want to smell yourself? You smell yourself, that's a bad day, right? 
I heard a story one time of a lady who's a really godly lady, but she's a real kind of a, uh, is it bad to say a, a prissy lady? Is that a bad way to say that? Is that a, a derogatory term? Is that a, are you offended that I said that? I mean, I mean, she's kind of a girly girl and all that. I don't know the best way to say that. Kind of a, just kind of a, give me a word here, Samantha, help me. I'm sinking. I, that's even worse than prissy. Prissy's good. I'm staying with uh, my friend here, Stacy. She said Prissy's good. Elegant. Oh, my man, Joseph, save the day. Hallelujah. You can tell he's a newlywed. Praise God. I heard a story of a very elegant lady, and they were on a trip to the beach uh, with some friends. True story. And, and all day long, she kept smelling something. All day, she kept smelling something. It smelled like B.O., the whole time smelled like body odor. And this, she, everywhere she went, there was the smell. And she kept, you know, when nobody was looking, she'd be, you know, she'd be kind of smelling herself here. And just, she thought it was hurt. And so they, they got all the way through the day. And all day long, she smelled this B.O. everywhere she went. And finally, when they got back to the hotel room, she told her husband, she said, I'm so embarrassed. She said, I smell body odor all day. And I'm afraid it's me. I'm afraid everybody's been smelling this. And they found out that somebody had given her some kind of spices or something. And they were in her purse. And there's some kind of spice that smells like body odor. <laughs> Put this on your tacos, you know. <laughs> I don't think I want any of that. But it was some kind of herb or some kind of spice or something that smells like body odor. And so all day long, everywhere she went, there it was and she was carrying that. And so how many know you don't want to smell yourself? Look what the Lord showed me concerning this passage. This is so powerful. Okay, so when we put on lotions, this represents taking comfort from the Lord during our tragedy and using that to comfort others. Taking the lessons we've learned. Look what the Lord showed me. David washed himself, but then he put on lotions for others. You don't really wear perfume for yourself. Come on, let's be real. Nobody really likes the way that stuff smells. You don't want people to think you stink. So you wash yourself for you, but we put on perfume and we put on lotions that smell for other people. And so David washed himself. He changed his inward portrait. And then he put on lotions, and that is for other people. He got up off the ground and actually began to minister and encourage. All the attendants that were around him were afraid that David would either kill himself or kill them. That, If you read it and study it, they were afraid that David would snap and harm himself or bring harm to them. But yet David put on lotions, kind of saying, you know what? I know I've went through this tragedy, but but God's teaching me, God's helping me, and I'm learning. And so, yeah, I've washed myself, that's for me, but you know what? I put on lotions for you. That way when, when I approach you and you smell the aroma, you smell the fragrance, you know this is peace. You know I don't mean any harm. You know that I'm looking up and I'm moving forward. And so David began to take his tragedy and he began to help and bless others. Healed people help people. Whole people and healed people help people, but hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. So what we have to learn to do, if we're going to let go and look ahead, we have to learn to actually process this tragedy and receive comfort from the Lord, and then we have to turn around and use that to bring comfort to other people. Check this out in Second Corinthians chapter 2. Isn't that powerful? When the Lord showed me that, that was just so impressive to me that, that I could see that, and, and, and the Lord was ministering to me along those lines. We take comfort from the Lord, and we give it away, Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. But thanks be to God, He's made us his captives, and he continually leads us along in Christ's triumphal procession. He continually leads us into victory. Notice this now. He uses us to spread the knowledge. Somebody say spread the knowledge. 
He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go like a sweet perfume. Like a sweet perfume. Look at verse 15, the first part here in verse 15. It says, our lives are like a sweet fragrance rising up to God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that powerful? And so you are the perfume. You are the lotion. And so when we go through a tragedy, let's let's take comfort and let's take what we receive from the Lord and let's turn around and let's begin to minister to other people. Now, number four, we'll look at this and this may be this may be as far as we get. But David got up from the ground. David began to wash himself. He began to put on lotions. And then the Bible says David changed his clothing. I want you to see this. He changed his clothing. I would encourage every one of you to write this down. And if you want a homework assignment, you want to really grow in the Lord, you began to look at all the references in the Bible that have to deal with clothing. You will see that this represents a type and shadow, not the only thing, but one thing that I believe it represents, Miss Stacy, is this. It represents our view of righteousness before God. This is so deep. I wish I had two weeks just to spend on this one point. This will absolutely change your life. In the Old Testament, they were righteous before God by the way they acted and by the way they looked and what they did. Now in the New Testament, we are righteous before God because of what Jesus has done. How many of you know what the word righteous means? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're righteous. Tell them. Just say, you're righteous. The word righteous simply means this. It's what they call right standing with God. You have a holy God and then you have sin. And how does a holy God stand in the presence of a sinful human? It's called righteousness. It means the right to stand with God. I am righteous because of Jesus. Jesus was made sin so I could be made righteousness. Second Corinthians teaches us this. It's called the principle of substitution. He was made something that I was not so I could be made something that I was not. He was made sin uh, and I was made righteousness. And now the Bible says I have the right to stand with the holy God because of what Jesus has done. And if you look at clothing throughout the Bible, I got hung up on this right here. It's like, I got to move on. I got to, I get, they're, they need something else besides just this one point. I could have spent hours tracing all these scriptures because of this revelation that God was giving me. The clothing in the Bible represents how people viewed their righteousness before God. In Exodus 19, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people. Today and tomorrow, set them apart to be holy, Exodus 19.10. Have them wash their clothing. Have them wash their clothing. He's talking about holiness and consecration to the Lord. And he says, have them wash their clothes. Get them ready, verse 11. Let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, other people will see the Lord and come down on Mount Sinai. And so in order for them to have a move of God, they had to change their clothing in the Old Testament. And so this continues on in, in Zechariah chapter 3. Joshua the high priest, not Joshua and Moses. This is different. This is after uh, Judah and Jerusalem has been captured in Babylon, and they're coming back now, and they're trying to rebuild the temple and trying to get the, the work of the Lord going again after uh, years and years of cap- captivity. And, and so Joshua is the first high priest coming out of this terrible time for Israel. And look what the Lord says to this. Read this. Now, Joshua was dressed in dirty clothes. Somebody say, dirty clothes. And standing in front of an angel. And the angel said to those who were standing in front of him, Take off his dirty clothing. And he said to him, See, I've taken away your sin. Dirty clothes represent sin. David is laying there and he's been on the ground. He's been fasting and praying for days. He has not showered or changed clothes in days. 
And that represents what he had done in his sinful past, and that represents his old way and the old life. And he hasn't changed clothing for days, and so he gets up and washes himself, and he changes his clothes. And the angel told Joshua here, said, See, I've taken away your sin. I'm now giving you these fine new clothes. And then he said, "Then, Then I said, Let them put a clean covering on his head. So they put a clean covering on his head, and they dressed him in clothes while the angel of the Lord was standing by. There was a problem on the, on the inside of Joshua here that was represented on the outside of his clothing. The angel said, change his clothes. There are many passages that speak to this. Now look in the New Testament. This principle of clean clothes is righteous with God. Dirty clothes is sinful, your past. Why would we want clean clothes? Why would we want righteousness from God? That's how we receive anything from God. The way that we receive from God is based on the righteousness that Jesus gave us. Because of Jesus, I now have the right to stand with God. I now have the right to every promise in the Bible because of what Jesus did. It is so powerful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to develop this, and this will be a very powerful teaching at some point. Now, look in the New Testament. Look in Ephesians chapter 4. There are other passages. I had to limit it to these. At Ephesians chapter 4, check this out, verse 22. And it, it references, Paul says, in reference to your former manner of life. Lay aside, in the Greek that means to put off, take off, just like clothing. Put off, lay aside the old self, the old clothing, which is corrupted in accordance with lust and deceit. And it says in verse 23, so that you are renewed in the spirit of your mind. Notice here that taking off the old clothing and putting on the new clothing actually has to do with the way that we think in our mind. It's renewing our mind to the promises of God. Notice here it says, put on the new self in verse 24. Put on new clothing. We are clothed in Christ Jesus, which is in the likeness of God and been created in the righteousness and holiness of truth. So, so go back to verse 22. I want you to see this here in Ephesians 4. Notice this here, Ephesians 4, 22. I want you to see this. Former way of life talks about corrupt, lust, deceit. That's what we're putting off. When you're born again, you put on everything that Jesus is. Now look at verse 24. Go back to that. Now look at this. Look what this is with God. It's made in the likeness of God. My new clothing is is made in the image of God. It's righteousness. It's one of holiness. It's one of truth. It's the exact opposite of my old self. But as long as David laid there in the old clothing, all he would ever think about was his past sins and past mistakes. He would never let go and move forward and look ahead. He had to change his clothing. In the New Testament, we've changed our clothing. Isn't that good news? Last one, then we'll let you go for today. Look at Revelation chapter 3. It says, you have a few people in Sardis. I mean, it sounds like a brand of tuna. <laughs> I always think of tuna when I hear that. I don't know why. You, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. And that doesn't mean that they're the only ones that didn't wee-wee on themselves, okay? It doesn't mean that everybody else pooped their pants and then these people in Sardis did not, all right? What this means, this is a spiritual thing. It says, there are a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy... They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now look at the next verse in verse 5. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. When we get to heaven, God's going to give us a new garment, a new clothing that represents the old is passed away. 
He's making all things new. And David washed himself. He got up off the ground. He put on lotions. And then he changed his clothing. And it's renewing your mind that, that yes, I'm dealing with a tragedy. Yes, things aren't the way that I want them right now. But God is helping me. And I'm going to renew my mind to the promises of God. And I'm going to let go of all the past. And I'm going to look ahead. And I'm telling you that this absolutely changed David's life. And then the Bible says here that God will not erase our name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. David had to put off the old sin. He had, to, he had to put on the right to stand with God. He repented. And when we repent, we have the right to stand with God. Last two, real quick, and then we'll let you, we'll let you. I'm going to just hit these so I don't have to try, to try to rush this next week. Number five, David went and worshiped the Lord. And this is all I'm going to say about that. This represents turning to God in a tragedy instead of turning away. David could have walked away from God. But David let this tragedy turn him to God. James 4, 8, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. So he went and worshiped the Lord. Number six, check this out. He returned to the place, which was a palace. Thank you. He returned to the palace. Y'all were so like, when I messed up, and then you didn't even think it was funny when I did that. David went to the palace. It was not fair. David, David went to the palace, and he ate. Are you ready for this? So he changed his clothing. He, he changed how his view of his righteousness with God. Man, I hope you can get a hold of that. Oh, it's so powerful. And then he went and worshiped the Lord, even after this tragedy. Instead of letting this tragic thing push him away from God, he let it draw him closer to God. And then you ready for this? This is deep. He returned to normal life. He returned to normal life. Jesus said this. He didn't mean it insensitive. I think it was in Luke chapter 9. He didn't mean this negative or insensitive. It's just a statement. Uh, this young man came and said, I want to follow you, Lord, but I've had some relatives that have died. Somebody died. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead and the living keep on living. And if you just read that, you're like, my gosh, man, Jesus was having a bad day. What an insensitive guy. <laughs> you know. But, but what Jesus is saying is, look, we understand there's a season to mourn. We understand there's a season to grieve. But uh, Jerry, go back to that if you can, verse number five and six. But you got to let the dead bury the dead. We must learn to fail forward. We must learn to fall forward. We must learn to fail forward. When we have a failure, when we have a faith failure, that's something we don't talk about in the church a lot. Is what happens when we have a faith failure. We've all had faith failures, man. Every one of us. And, and, and I'll talk to you just real from my heart. When you, when you really got a good heart and you're really seeking God over a situation and you don't see it turn around, I mean, it's, it's hard to deal with. You have to really process that, really deal with it. It's not an easy thing. But when we have a faith failure, when we have a, this thing that didn't work out, let that push us towards the Lord. I am determined I'm going to become better and I'm not going to become bitter. So many people are mad at God and so many people are accusing him of all this stuff. And if they would apply these principles, then they can have a better next time. This is day one of the best of your life. I can't fix what happened two years ago. I can't fix what happened to you as a child. I wish I could. We've got a person that we know and we're connected with that had a terrible tragedy as a child. And now there's a lot of things going on and has been moved to a New location to help that. It is a, it's just a, just a young man and it's just so sad. I hate that for that young man. I can't do anything to fix that. But you know what? God looks at our future. You may have had a horrible past 
And what I'm saying is let's take these tragic things in our life and instead of letting them separate us from God's love, how about we let them push us toward the arms of a loving God who wants to redeem our life. God gave David Solomon. God gave David one of the wisest kings to ever live. And it came out of this awful, terrible tragedy. God is for us. That's one of my assignments in life is to tell people that God is for us. He's not against us. He is for us. And I can't explain all the mess that happens. I can't explain why people we love go on to be with the Lord. And I can't understand why everything doesn't work out. But I can tell you that God is for us. And, and well, what if I believe in God and what if I die? That's not such a bad thing if you're a believer. Last time I checked. I mean, we Christians are like, I'm afraid to die. You know, I, I want to live. I'm not saying go die for death's sake. Come on now. But listen, if, if I die, it's graduation day. You hear what I'm saying? It, God is for us and God loves us. I want to ask the Pastor Randy to come and help us. Let's take a minute and pray and let this settle in our heart. What a powerful lesson from David. He got off the ground. He got up. He made a mental decision to get up. And then he washed himself. He put on lotions. He changed his clothing. He went and worshiped the Lord. And then he returned to the palace and ate. Just got back to normal. This is how we deal with tragedy. The, the cool thing is there, there, there is some things we can't control. But I believe, friends, there, there is more that we have influence over than what we realize. There, there really is. And I say that, I understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that as an accusation. If we've had a faith failure, I'm not at all accusing you. Uh, we have a, a, someone in our church that had a tragedy concerning a child and the family basically said if you'd have had more faith you know this would have not happened and I'm telling you what that is I love you but I will punch you in the mouth if you ever say that to anybody and I mean that I'm not being funny there I mean I love you and, and I'm not a violent person but that is the worst thing it is not always our fault you can't there's so much that we don't understand and that that hurt this person in our church for many many years in a long time there is, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful, sick, fallen world. But we have a loving God that holds us and cares for us. And if we will open our heart and just let go and move forward, there is healing available. And it might be a process. It might not be overnight. But the process of becoming whole can start today. Would you just put your arm around that person beside of you if you're sitting beside somebody? Obviously, men with men, women with women there. If, if you can, just or or just hold their hand, just you know, not in a in an odd way, but just in a way here where we just want to minister to one another. I want to ask Pastor Michael to come up for just a second. I want to ask him to lead a prayer over us and for our healing, and that we would we would see God's love even in the midst of tragedy. Father, we thank you for your your mercy and loving kindness towards us. We thank you that you are sovereign and in control even when we don't understand. God, we thank you right now that you are blanketing us with your peace that doesn't have to make sense. Your peace that is beyond comprehension and understanding, Lord, right now we just receive it. 
when we choose to dwell on these things, things that are pure and lovely and noble, we choose to set our thoughts on higher ground. Father, right now as a congregation, as individuals, we choose to soar like eagles because we're going to wait on you, Lord. We're going to trust your timing. We're going to know that your thoughts, your ways are higher than ours. So God, against our own understanding, we know that you are a good, good God. So right now, Lord, where there are hurts, would you heal hearts? Where there's been doubt because of a deficiency of, of understanding, right now, Lord, would you allow faith to be infused into our hearts? We tap into your Holy Spirit that strengthens us now. Grant us joy. Grant us joy that our circumstances may not give us. Grant us joy, Lord, that we can be strong in you. Joy that is beyond appearance. Joy that is beyond what we should naturally have. Father, this is supernatural, and we're asking God right now, we wait on you. So, Lord, thank you for healing hearts. Thank you, Lord, for allowing our past not to define us and to hold us back, but to catapult us towards your good graces. May our lives be a testimony to others around us, God, as life just happens. Lord, and may your strength in us be evident. And may we be able to point to faith and peace and rest in Christ. We thank you, Christ, for your, your righteousness that paves a way into our Father's presence. Lord, we thank you for what you've done this morning, what you have spoken to each one of us, God. We thank you, Lord, that we are moving in a new direction, Lord. And we know that when, when things are moving, when, when a train is barreling down its tracks, God, we know that there is bound to be attacks and, and things from the enemy that are coming our way, Lord. We right now just put up a guard around our families, around us as individuals, Lord. We know that with, with great things, God, we're not going to be unaware of the enemy's schemes. So, Lord, let your light shine in and through each one of us, in our lives this week, Father. We love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.